Tyler's message this morning is, what is your Ebenezer? Most of us are familiar with the name Ebenezer because of the character Ebenezer Scrooge in Dickens' novella, The Christmas Carol. And one of the things about Ebenezer, it's taken on kind of a different meaning, really, from what it was intended to be. It's taken on the connotations of miserliness or lack of charity. Although, to be fair, Ebenezer Scrooge did become a changed person. The visitation of the four spirits, or ghosts, if you will, helped bring Scrooge face to face with himself, what he was and what he had become. And this experience changed him forever. You see that vast change in this clip uh, from A Christmas Carol. Let's watch. <laughs> A full 16 minutes late. What do you mean by coming here at this time of day? I'm very sorry, sir. I, I, I am a bit behind in my time. You are indeed. Step in here. Well, it's only once a year, sir. It shall not be repeated. I was making rather merry yesterday. Now, I'll tell you what, Mr. Cratchit. I'm not going to stand for this sort of thing any longer. And therefore... And therefore... I am about to raise your salary. <laughs> Merry Christmas to you, Bob. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Bob, my good fellow. Then I've given you in many a year. I'll raise your salary and do whatever I can to help your struggling family. And we'll discuss your affairs this very afternoon over a bowl of Christmas punch. But first, let's make up the fires. I want you to go out <laughs> and buy another scuttle of coal before you dot another eye, Bob Cratchit. Off with you, Bob. We were saving to do. Hello, Bob. Yeah. Yeah, yes, sir. Right away, sir. <laughs> And Scrooge was better than his word. He did all that he said he would, and more. And to our tiny Tim, who got well, Scrooge was like a second father. He became as good a friend, as good a master, and as good a man as the good old city ever knew. And it was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well. And so, as tiny Tim observed... God bless us! Kind of like what happened to you and I when Holy Spirit, some call him the Holy Ghost, comes upon us. It changes us in a huge way, or it should. 
changes our attitude, our outlook, gives us more love for people, helps us take our eyes off, off ourselves, gives us another purpose and new motivation in life. It's to be a servant. The Bible is full of powerful words that it was, and if we dig deep enough, the meaning could help change our life just by one word. The power with, with which God clothed every word that it's in his scripture and in his word, it's, it's, it's just amazing. The word Ebenezer, we don't, we don't hear that in everyday conversation. We hardly ever hear it, actually. You might hear it in a, in a, in a song or in a sermon or church names. There's a lot of Ebenezer churches. So if this is the case, why is it so powerful? What does it mean, and how can we apply this word to our Christian walk? The name Ebenezer actually comes from the Bible, 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel 7. It was at the end of the time of Judges. Israel experiences revival under the advice and leadership of Samuel. The nation finally repents of its sin, destroys its idols, and begins to seek the Lord. 1 Samuel 7 verses 2 through 4. There were 15 judges in Israel. Judges is a wild book. If you want to read something wild from the Scripture, sit down and read the book of Judges. It's, it's beyond imagination almost. There's some wild stuff in there that God had to do. And every time His people come back to Him and repented, it wasn't long before they fell back in their sin and God would send these judges to help lead them through. And a lot of different groups and tribes and peoples helped helped shape the Israelites in that. Actually, it was punishment. Um, so in 1 Samuel 7, 2 through 4, we read these words. The ark remained in Kiriath-Jerim for a long time, 20 years in all. I did some study. The ark of the covenant spent 120 years in this place. During that time, all Israel mourned because it seemed that the Lord had abandoned them. If you remember that the Ark of the Covenant is what when God gave the commandments at Sinai, they put the tablets of stone in the Ark of the Covenant, Aaron's rod in there that never grew dry and brittle. It always budded and a pot of manna to remember how God had fed them in the wilderness. And on the lid of the Ark of the Covenant was the mercy seat. And once a year on the Day of Atonement, a priest would go in and sprinkle blood on that mercy seat, that was our connection to God that would atone for the nation's sin for that year. In a sense, you'll understand this in a minute, but when we get into this Ebenezer, this was, this was kind of what this was to the Israelites. And it was gone 120 years. That, that, that amazes me. The first seven years, it was in Ashdod, which is the capital of Philistia. And when the Philistines carried it up there, they put it in their temple of their god, Dagon, and in the morning that idol, that statue would be on its face. They had a seven, they had a seven months. They couldn't stand it because God sent plagues above them, among them, actually. So they sent it to Kiriath-Jerim. It was a city of the, of the Gibeonites, and it stayed there for all that time. I don't know why it stayed there from Samuel the prophet to David the king, and then David went and got it. And that's another whole story in itself. Verse 3, then Samuel said to all the people of Israel, if you are really serious about wanting to return to the Lord, get rid of your foreign gods and your images of Ashtaroth, which is another idol, female idol. Determined to obey only the Lord, then he will rescue from the Philistines. So as the Israelites destroyed their images of Baal and Ashtaroth, 
and worshiped only the Lord. I think that verse 3 can jump off the page almost, and we can apply it in our life. If you're really serious about wanting to return to the Lord, get rid of your foreign gods and your images of Ashtaroth. If you're really interested, get back to, to God. It, it, we give up what's dear to us that takes God's place, and that's, that's how we get back. So Samuel gathered the people at Mizpah where they confessed their sin and Samuel offered sacrifices on their behalf, verses 5 through 9. It was interesting that during that time of repentance and renewal, the enemy attacked. This, this is in uh, 1 Samuel 7.10. While Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage them in battle. So the Israelites went out to do battle against uh, their invaders, and God sent them supernatural help. Verse 10, that day the Lord thundered with loud thunder against the, the Philistines and threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. God sent loud thunder to help them, and it spooked the enemy, and they were victorious. Their victory over Philistia was decisive. Several cities that the Philistines had captured were restored to Israel, and it was a long time before the Philistines attacked Israel again. Verse 12, to come commemorate this divine victory. Samuel took a large stone and placed it between the towns of Mizpah and Jeshanah. He named it Ebenezer, the stone of help, for he said, up to this point the Lord has helped us. So Ebenezer means stone of help. From there on, every time an Israelite would walk by and see that stone that Samuel erected, that Ebenezer, they would think of God and how he had delivered them and protected them. It marked the spot where the enemy had been routed. The Lord had helped them all the way. And when they saw that Ebenezer, it gave them a fresh hope, actually. So at this point in Scripture, Ebenezer becomes an altar. The meaning does not change, but the power is brought to light. Samuel had been praying for his people. He was in distress because of their idols and because of their sin and their immoral ways. But once his prayer was answered and they defeated the Philistines, they put this stone of remembrance up. So the purpose of Samuel's altar was to remind the Israelites of what God had done for them and also to remind them what it was like when God had removed his presence from them. That is a way for Samuel to say thank you for God, to God for God uh, had, had delivered them, actually. And I wonder sometimes if it's not like that with us. We fall back into sin and we feel like God is removed from us, but in all actuality, we've turned our back on God and are walking away, and he, He's saying our name. We, we need to listen. There's a song Diana sings entitled, Come Thou Fount. It's a hymn penned by Robert Robinson in 1758. And in the second verse, he writes, Here I raise mine Ebenezer. Why did he use the word Ebenezer? To answer this, I think we have to look back into his life and see... Uh, prior his to, to his conversion. He came from a troubled home, and after his father died, his mother, who was extremely poor, sent him to London to learn to be a barber. Instead, he fell in with bad friends and a bad crowd, and he was in despair, kind of like the prodigal. And one night, a chain of events happened to lead him to an evangelical meeting where George Whitfield was preaching. 
The words that Whitfield said, inspired by the Holy Spirit, gripped his heart, and he accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior. And he began serving the Calvinist Methodist Church at the age of 23. And this is when he wrote this beloved hymn. When he used the word Ebenezer, he is referring to the story here in 1 Samuel 7. Robinson meant that he is raising his Ebenezer to remember from where his blessing comes from, that he was headed down a dangerous path to destruction, but God plucked him out of it. I think that's the same for a lot of us, that we can say that this morning. You, can you imagine, just think for a moment where your life would be if you hadn't found Christ, if you hadn't found God. I could go on and on about this, about my own life. So this hymn is Robertson's Ebenezer. It, it's something that the Holy Spirit created in him, and every time he, he sang it, I'm sure it brought him back to his gratitude for God to drag him out of the pit, actually. And that's the way uh, all of us, that God graciously plucked us out uh, of a life of sin and give us the promise that we can be with him and those we love who know Christ forevermore. First Samuel seven twelve, Samuel in took a large stone and placed it between the towns of Mizpah and Jeshanah. He named it Ebenezer, for he said, up to this point, the Lord has helped us. Up until this point, the Lord has helped us. Up until this point in our life, the Lord has blessed us. And that's why we've got to continue to keep hanging on to him and following him. From the beginning, God has sealed spatial events with some kind of memorial. He gave Noah a rainbow, a reminder of his concern and covenant with humanity in Genesis 9:17. He gave the Passover festival more to Israel's deliverance from Egypt in Exodus 12:17. He gave Moses the law of on two tones two stone tablets Exodus 24:12. And in the New Testament, the Lord reminded us as we took last week communion that his his Ebenezer, that is his memorial to us, and every time we do it, we do it to remember him. If you remember last week we took communion, at the end of that message, and that message was another memorial that God gave the Jews of being rescued from Haman, was the, the festival of Pur- Purim that they celebrate every year. Johnny Todd Erickson is a Christian writer, radio talk show host, author. On July 30, 1967, at age 19, she dove into the Chesapeake Bay after misjudging the shallowness of the water she suffered a fracture between the fourth and fifth cervical levels and became a quadriplegic, paralyzed from the shoulders down. If you've not been familiar with her, but I'm sure if you've been in the faith very long, you've heard her name. She has been a tremendous witness of her faith in Jesus Christ. Listen to what she writes about her own Ebenezer, and I quote, We need these kinds of mem- memorials in our present day as well. For years now I've looked at my wheelchair as my Ebenezer. It's a visible, physical reminder. It's my stone of remembrance to commemorate God's grace in my life. It reminds me of how far the Lord has brought me, and everyone who sees me smile in this wheelchair knows that God is my help. Before the accident that landed me in my wheelchair, I was far from God and in real spiritual danger. 
but God rescued me through Christ, and now my wheelchair is a symbol of the grace that God has shown me, end of quote. That's an amazing story, isn't it? You and I sometimes whine and cry if we get a hangnail. I was moaning about this stinking arm. That's nothing. That is nothing compared to what this woman has gone through. So she had she had that choice, either get better in Christ and allow God to use her in a mighty way or to become bitter and just curl up and die, actually, if she so choose. choose. The memorial, the stone of Ebenezer, should signify to us that trusting in anything or anyone short of Christ is a precursor to failure. So what's this mean to us today? How should we apply the concept of Ebenezer in our lives? The purpose of Samuel setting up an Ebenezer stone remembers what to help God's people remember the times of blessing, but also the times of punishment. And when God stood behind them and was in their life, purpose and can serve us today, actually. This was in a blog by a lady by the name of Vanessa Myers, talking about this very topic of Ebenezer moments, and I quote, Ebenezer moments are times when you know without a doubt that God has intervened in your life. You realize that only God could have allowed the outcomes you have experienced. His help has brought you through. A stone is a hard material. It can be used to build things and start fires. The Lord is like a stone. He is a God of mercy that is not easily broken and can send this Holy Spirit, His Holy Spirit, that can start an unquenchable fire in our hearts. Today, we, we can have an Ebenezer in our life. We can have that and remember the times that God has showed His wisdom and His guidance and His mercy and His love for him, writer Robert Robinson, the hymn, Come Thou Fount, was his Ebenezer. For Johnny Erica Santata, it was her wheelchair. For me, it was an encounter I had with God on the lawnmower that changed my life then and forever. I'm not going to go into all the details, but uh, I was, as Robert Robinson said, was going down the wrong path. I was going down the wrong path in my life, and God came to me and I was mowing because I'd been gone all week down in Harrisburg, uh, Illinois, on the railroad, and a lot of my friends and co-workers had been arrested, and I narrowly escaped. It was drunk and disorderly right downtown Harrisburg was the problem, but I went. I, got, I was smart enough to leave and went to bed. And, but nonetheless, I was mowing. I don't know how God's voice sounds to you, but to me, I was mowing, and he started speaking to my heart. I didn't, really, I didn't really want to think about God at that time in my life. But nonetheless, the Holy Spirit started speaking into my life. And it wasn't an audible voice, but I, I knew it was God. I knew it was God. And I knew that I had come to a crossroads in my life, that I was either going to follow him or go down the other direction and be in fear of losing my family and on and on and on. And that's like sins like ripple effects. When you throw a rock into the water, the, the ripples go out. That's the way sin is. If you keep doing it, it it's it, it's going to come back to bite you if it's not already, actually. So that's where I was at. But uh, at that point in time, I was wise enough to shut that mower off and right there in the yard get down on my face. And uh, God and I got things worked out. And that was 
That was my Ebenezer. So it was an old uh, John Deere just like that. And so when I see that, that's a, it's a crazy thing, isn't it, to think about that, that, that that's how I connect God. But we're all different. We all have different stories to be able to do that. You know, there are other ways to create an Ebenezer in your life. Maybe you have a, a plaque or some special gift that, that defines an Ebenezer moment you've experienced. Uh, for believers today, I, I think we can incorporate this idea of Ebenezer daily, that there's something every day that reminds you of God, that we find something that only God could do, only God had his hand in it. I, I will be forever grateful to God for Crossroads. Only God could do that. Only God could bring a strange uh, family into town and, and pull this off. We, I was just along for the ride. And, and God bless you guys. I love you. But I give God the credit. It was him and him alone that did this. And uh, I suppose that could be my Ebenezer too, this place. Um, it's, just a, it's just an amazing thing how God brought us all together. It, nothing was by chance. It was all ordained by God. God played out the script in our lives, and we were just uh, wise enough uh, to do it, actually. What are the memorials in your life that remind you of God's ever-present help? Maybe it's a ring. Maybe it's a family Bible, a pair of crutches, some memento from your journey. Um, These things anchor the soul. When pain and sorrow records and becomes crushing to us, you can look at your memorial and pray, Oh God, thus far you have helped me, and I have every reason to believe that you will continue to help me. And then we can rest our head and lift our Ebenezer's, no matter what the future brings. Ebenezer is a word of power and importance. We may... We read it over sometimes in Scripture when we're passing over, and it really doesn't mean anything. But at least now you'll know if you see or hear that word, what's behind it. You know, those in Samuel's day, when they passed by that stone, they remembered God. I think some people wear crosses maybe for that. I don't have one, but I think sometimes that uh, people do that. It's, It's kind of their Ebenezer. They go back to that and... And I know sometimes people have special crosses that they had bought, that they use that in their lives to to remember God. Our Ebenezer's today is our stones of help. But the fact is, we all need them. It's it's just not for me. It's it's, it's for you as well. So I really want you to pray and think about that. What, what, What can you have in your life that reminds you of God? I know we have the Word and we have church, but we... Nonetheless, you need you need something to, to do that, actually. As Robert Robertson writes in that great inspired hymn, Come Thou Fount, here, here's verse 2. Here I raise mine Ebenezer, hither by thy help I've come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, he to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. God bless you guys. Like I said, I love you. And we'll be back together one of these days. And I'll probably get up and stand to preach instead of sitting down. This is kind of nice. I've kind of got used to that. So 
Lord, we love you. We thank you for putting Ebenezer's in our life, Lord. We never use this word, and it sounds foreign to us, but at least now we got a little better handle on it. But it's a stone of remembrance, whatever that might be. It, it, and if we're all honest this morning, I think we all have them. But nonetheless, we just haven't really thought about it. We haven't pointed it out. But we all need something in our lives, Lord, that bring us back around to you, and especially on those days when we're not listening, on those days maybe we've got off the path a little bit and there's some sin in our lives and we need to confess that and come back. And as we look at our stone of remembrance, it might help us to do that, to remember where we came from, where we'd be without you, and where we're going, Lord. We thank you for that. Thanks again for these folks, Lord. I just ask that you bless them today. We ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen.